Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25, the big 2-5 of this uncanny earth. Yeah. As always, I am your awesome host, Rob, and flanking me is my other awesome host, co-host, mostest with the hostessness, Spider. Man, now you got me thinking about hostess like cupcakes and stuff. Mm, flanking I don't like somebody cupcakes. with some hostesses and taking them down and stealing their cupcakes. I like Twinkies though. Well, yeah, like I mean, that, who, nobody can say no to a Twinkie unless you're just, you know, absolutely not a human being, which is what the or if episode you, of this ball. Or if you have the beatus. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you can... got be careful. you got to turn down careful. a lot of sweet stuff in that case, and a lot of other yes. carbohydrate stuff, because a lot of people don't know it's about your carbohydrates, not necessarily just your sugar. So, episode 25, we're going to be talking about <laughs> carbohydrates and how your body can really work for you. So today... <laughs> Diet is the key point. That's why I drink so much alcohol, because that's where all my carbs come from. And sugar, apparently, too. Yeah, because they're from grains. So, you know, I don't have to eat anything else. I just drink the alcohol and eat burgers all the time. Because <laughs> that's and whole, healthy. And whole slabs of bacon. <laughs> that's right. That have not been left whole on a grill slabs. for like three weeks and left there burnt. No, we didn't eat the whole slab that time. That was like a couple pieces. Yeah, the, the, it was like a year ago. You brought over that whole slab. You're like, oh yeah, it's hickory yeah. smoked, or it's pepper wood, or pepper bark, or whatever. And I was like, okay, we'll eat a couple pieces. Next thing you know, every single piece is laid on that grill. Just oh, yeah. we just ate it. We kept peppered eating bacon. It. I mean, peppered bacon is pretty good. Delicious. It's got that thick. What does that have to do with this uncanny earth? I have no idea. But bacon, bacon, and peppered bacon is <laughs> probably one of my favorites. It's expensive though. At least here in Ohio. Yeah, it's not it's not cheap. It's not cheap. Bacon isn't cheap as a whole though, unless you get the kind that's mostly fat and little meat. That's true, and I don't like that. I like the thick cut where you actually get you know, you gotta get it's your meat. bacon. You can't have that just little like I just a little piece of fat. It's okay. I, I don't mind the fat, but I don't like when the fat outweighs the delicious meat part. No dice. No <laughs> dice. So today is episode twenty five. This is the big twenty five. 25. Yeah. 25 yeah. years old. 25 years young. Leaguer to Leaguer. Ah, Leaguer. I'm already talking funny. Legal to already. rent a car. Yes. Leaguer. It must this be is... the aliens. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is how to rent a car. <laughs> While you're <laughs> avoiding getting abducted by aliens and their yes. UFOs. That's today's episode is UFOs. It's a big UFO mega show. We're going to be talking about UFOs, aliens, abductions. Our pop culture is going to feature some of the biggest box office smashers, some awesome video games, and more fantastic commentary from both myself and Spider. But first off, let's drum up that round of applause for our main man and the big homie, Count St. Germain. Oh, yeah. He's in the house, obviously, somewhere. I can't see him because he's known the hiding spots in this house since it was built um, because he's been around that long and longer. So, wherever he's hiding from, if he's in that little crack in the ceiling or, you know, that space behind the carpet over there, this show's for you, buddy. That's he every built show. The, he built your house. Every house. Every show. And every house. So, <clears throat> let's jump right into this UFO madness. Now, UFO obviously stands for Unidentified Flying Object. Don't think I really needed to say that, but maybe some of you are out there in radio land thinking, what does that UFO word? What does it mean? 
I gotta find out. If I listen to the show, those those nice boys will tell me. We just told you. The term itself was coined in 1953 by Mr. Edward J. Ruppelt for the United States Air Force's Project Blue Book, which is Project Sign's grandchild. And this would go on to encompass all reports of unidentified flying objects, and it would not be until later that it would become synonymous with flying discs or saucers. And our uh, our good friend Donald Kehoe was the first person to use the term UFO in a book. Uh, side note, Donald Kehoe is not a good friend of ours. Uh, he's passed away. I just wanted to look cool in front of our audience. I don't think I got any cool points today. If I did, you can you can like him on our on the Facebook group. That's right. here. Official. So let's let's do some stats real quick. I know what you're all thinking. Stats. Uh, I didn't listen to this uncanny earth to hear numbers. Well, too bad. You're going to hear some numbers. <laughs> so the stats through 6-30-2018. The worldwide reports are 3,664, according to the MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. And 37% of Americans say it is likely that there is life somewhere else in the galaxy according to a Rusmussen poll. That's it. No more statistics. If you made it through those two statistical facts, you're good for the rest of the show. That's right. I'm not going to be drumming up some stuff later. So, And and this is this is a UFO show. So, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak on some, some quick types of UFOs, and maybe some of you have seen them. Maybe some of you haven't. Comment if you have, and comment if you haven't. So the, the the big one, the one that everybody has seen in science fiction movies, read about in books, flying saucers. Now, flying saucers look like saucers. And if anybody knows what a saucer is, it's a kind of a plate where you put your cup on or your teacup mm-hmm. or your coffee cup so you don't make a mess. Occasionally, on people put um, like light sauces for dipping and things. That's if you're doing like – if you go to those those real fancy restaurants where they have the bread yeah. and like the dipping oil, oh, yeah. they put the dipping oil in, in a saucer. It puts the dipping oil on the sauce again, or it gets the vinaigrette, lemon again. water. Wow. It gets the lemon water. <laughs> I like lemon water. Oh man! <laughs> we also have the cigar shape. We have the triangles with the lights underneath, and I believe that about does it for the different types. There's probably other types. There's probably the uh, a square shape, maybe mm-hmm. a rectangle. Maybe a trapezoid, rhombus. Maybe a Metatron's cube. You would think. I mean, you would think an advanced species it would make something either super, super aerodynamic, which would mean it would just be like super flat and just uh, like an arrow, not even like a disc. Or they would make it. Um, uh, they would make it all kinds of crazy ways because they could make it work regardless. So I mean. I kind of have a vast imagination on what UFOs could look like. Um, if we're talking like aerodynamics, the Star Destroyer thing is probably the actual, like, the the least friction if I was going to get technical, but I'm not an aerodynamics what, major. What if they made a Discman into a UFO? Well, then they could play my, my jams, and then I'd want to hang out. I would, they could play my jams, too. It'd be called Jams. <laughs> the secret history of the Discman. <laughs> That's right. It never really went away. I mean, they still make them some places. You can get them at Best Buy. They're like $30, though, and it's like, why? 
You can get, can't you get an MP3 player for much cheaper than that? Yeah, for like five bucks. Only it's kind of junk, but you know, get what you pay for. Mm, indeed, you do. So <clears throat> let's do some historical sightings because a lot of people know about the more recent sightings, but they don't necessarily know about some of the historical sightings. Now, some of these are going to tie into our ancient alien episode, mm -hmm. which was the very first. And you should definitely go back and listen to that. I'm sure in the future we're going to touch up that episode and and uh, and work through that because that was back in our days before you could actually understand what we were saying. That was when we would cut in and out. And it was our amateur radio days. That's right. <laughs> We've since graduated to two professionals, maybe. Which is why we went on that rant talking about Discman and, uh, and stuff. <laughs> yes. Because we are professionals. That's right. So let's start with biblical times. If anybody's ever read the Old Testament, I'm talking about Ezekiel 1, 4 through 28. And we're talking about the flaming chariot. And the flaming chariot was supposedly, finger quotes for anyone out there not being able to see my fingers. Um, <clears throat> so the, 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 it, it was a wheel, more or less. And there's a lot of drawings on the internet that you can go look up and, and see what it looked like. But supposedly came from heaven and landed on earth, and, and that's really that. I mean, there's it's, there's more to it, but I suggest going through the, the 24 verses of First Ezekiel so you can kind of get an idea of what it was. So that that's one of the earliest um, sightings, supposedly. I don't want to say is because, you know, it could lend itself to something else. I don't want anybody out there being like, that's not what that is at all. And then we get a bunch of angry letters, and then the FCC shuts our show down. And Which is actually a good point, because uh, internet is kind of immune to the FCC, so we could actually go on some kind of rant, as long as we aren't, like, shooting porn on here or something. I don't want to do that at all. No, I'm not really interested. It's messy, mm -hmm. and you got to capture the audio right, and I, I don't know. People would think that I was involved in, in somebody else with porn or something, and they'd get really like, no, no thanks. <laughs> this is a family show, and this is this is where this goes. Yeah. Just at just so like the past minute or so, just forget that happened. Edit just that out. Strike. We'll it. see you strike. after the after that, and uh, we're back after the break. We're live. <laughs> so in 300 BC, we have the Chinese poet Qi Yaun. I probably botched that. So Qi, if you want to come on the show, if you're still alive for some reason. He was visiting the grave of an emperor, and he saw a large jade chariot pulled by four fearsome dragons. He got in the chariot and was carried to the holy Kunlun Mountains. Anybody watching Iron Fist? That is the same mountains in the show Iron Fist, or the comic Iron Fist. So some fun times for you. In 66 BC, we have our good friend Pliny the Elder. He noticed a spark fall from a star and descend to the earth. And it grew as large as the moon and then shrunk to a tiny, small size and moved back into the heavens. Mm -hmm. So Pliny was ecstatic. He's like, oh, I've, I've never seen something like this. In, a, in, in Greek, though, not in, in English that kind of made me sound like Paul Bear a little bit. Oh, Pliny the Elder Taker. <laughs> <laughs> let's, jump to, let's jump to AD 564. The French bishop... St. Gregory, not to be confused with St. Gregory, I don't know, there was a joke there and it kind of... It could have been yeah. good, I don't know, I don't know what the joke was supposed to be, so I'm, 
I can't back you up on it. But um, no, I don't even know what it was supposed to be. It just kind of went. But I'll give you a pat on the back and say they're there. They're there. I don't want your pats on the back. <laughs> what about pats on the back? That sounds like a verse. He writes about <laughs> golden globes flashing across the sky, not Pat Sajak, our good buddy, Bishop St. Gregory. I bet people just call him St. Greg for short. St. Greg. 1104 AD, we have objects floating across the sky in Switzerland. And they were seen as burning torches, fiery darts, and flying fire. So, woo, spooky times there. That's right. On, Ju- on July 30th, 1880, a large bright object flies over St. Petersburg, moving in a triangular formation with two smaller objects. So I guess that was a big... I, I bet people were rushing outside. Hey. Rushing outside. Yeah, this is going to be dad jokes, bad dad jokes. <laughs> and finally, in 1896 to 1898, we have the Great Airship Wave. And this is this is something that happens all across North America with people saying they see large airships in the sky. So I don't know if maybe it was the morphine or the uh, whatever they had back then. I know a lot of the cold remedies and cold bottles had such things as, uh, I believe, THC, alcohol, morphine, and lithium, if I'm not mistaken. When I took a trip to Waverly Hills, which we'll cover on a future episode of This Uncanny Earth. They had, you know, they had the medicine room had all that in it. So um, people, people might have been drinking that. You drink that kind of concoction. I think you're gonna might see some airships and some other things of that nature. So without further ado, I'm gonna bring in my co-host here because he's just sitting there silent, and I won't have any silence on my radio show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, always the legend, Spider. That's right. Now UFOs are are crazy topic. Because there's there's tons of stuff that we can talk about UFOs. Every tons. one of our shows up till now has probably touched on UFOs in some fashion, because they're interconnected in a lot of theories. Like especially uh, if you listen to our conspiracy theory episode, then um, half the conspiracy theories out there are have to do with UFOs and aliens. Um, the flat Earth is a conspiracy uh, by the aliens. By the aliens come on, to, you know. Come on. The round Earth is the conspiracy, right? Mm. And the flat Earth is the truth because the aliens control NASA. See? <laughs> and the men in black, they're, they're extraterrestrial, right? And the black helicopters are actually UFOs, right? See? So, you know, everything revolves around UFOs for conspiracy theorists and for, for just a lot of things. If, if you don't know what happened and you're not particularly going to gonna point and say, oh, it's magic or, oh, it's religious or it's this, then you're going to say it was UFOs and aliens. Can we, stop this revolving, can we stop this revolving <laughs> planet? I want to get off. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean the revolving disc, flat disc, hey. on the back of a turtle. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, what's funny, too, is um, as far as UFOs go, very few people have actually seen a UFO. Like, the classical, like, what could be considered the classic UFO, where um, it's actually a flying disc-like object, and not just something that people claim as a UFO. Because there's a lot of things that people do see that you could call a UFO, because the, the definition's pretty broad, unidentified flying object, right? So, you could... Uh, Anything that you see flying in the sky that you don't know what it is right off the bat is a UFO until you figured out what it is. So it, 
it's a really broad category for one. So a lot of people are just like, oh yeah, did you see the UFO? No, I saw the meteor shower. The what? It was the UFO? No, it was, it was the meteor shower, sir. Oh, well, that's obviously from the aliens. I saw the meteor shower, but then I saw the the alien UFO. Oh, you're talking about the weather balloon? No, it was a UFO. And that's another thing we'll get into too about how right. everything is a the weather uh, weather balloon, um, which I think is more of a joke for us than it actually was at the time. I don't think it was used as an excuse quite as often. I think it was probably used as an excuse once, and then uh, everybody probably was like, "Oh, everything is a weather balloon, right? Government." everything's a ufo huh i guess (laughs) skeptic 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 so yeah i mean ufos are a pretty widespread thing anybody that you talk to will have probably heard of the name even if they don't know exactly what the term is so i mean it's it's worth examining it as as just part of our culture as far as anything else because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're just everywhere, and there's a lot of history to them. There are paintings. There are paintings, both religious and otherwise, from um, from ancient Rome or from the Renaissance that show, they might show a religious figure, and then overhead, they'll show circle disc shapes um, with beams coming out of them or with, uh, or with fire or just kind of hanging out. And um, some people say, oh, that's just a representation. There's supposed to be clouds, there's supposed to be planets, there's supposed to be halos of, of whatever. And it's like, well, they look a lot like a flying disc cra- uh, craft. So, and and even on, even most of our myths and legends, like uh, we talked about on a few shows about cryptids and things, Mothman mm-hmm. connected to UFOs. Loch Ness yes. connected to UFOs. It's supposed to be a UFO. The Green based. Monster connected Green to Monster, UFOs. UFO, yeah. Um, even the documentary we saw, we saw the Bray Road Beast by Small Town Monsters, and they even mentioned how some people thought for some reason that it was connected to, to UFOs because... Oh, yeah, they did. Uh, and it's just crazy. You can connect anything to them. They're part of our psyche. So why is that? Let's let's dig into it. Let's, let's look into some historical stuff about UFOs in general, and let's try to pick apart why this is so fascinating to us. Because aliens is, is the one thing that people want to find these days in space more than anything else. Unless they're a xenomorph. Nobody wants to find those in space. Yeah, I'd rather not. I'd rather they find that, put it back. Do not try to weaponize it, all you evil corporations out there that would uh, do that thing. And um, let's leave it alone. (laughs) Just tap it in. Just just tap it back. Tap it back. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's do a little bit of current history on this. Before we jump to Psychic McPsychitans in it, first off, let's talk about one of the most famous, 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 famous. If you are alive and breathing in the United States today, you know about this incident. Yes, I'm talking about Roswell, New Mexico. Area mid-19- 51. Yes, mid-1947, a supposed spacecraft, finger quotes, crashes in the desert outside of Roswell, New Mexico. This was later found to be a balloon, supposedly. Now it's the government. They probably covered it up like NASA covers up the flat Earth. (laughs) But it's interesting in the fact that this became a worldwide phenomenon with many people. And I don't mean many in terms of just United States. There are people from all over the world that have came out to the Area 51, to come out to Roswell, to see the things 
and where it might have crashed and, and this and that. Supposedly it was that. Um, many people think it was a, a balloon. And we're, we're, we'll get to where we what we think about UFOs in our final thoughts portion of our show tonight. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go too deep into that one. I'm just going to set the stage with Roswell in mid-1947. So you guys have a basic idea. I mean, you guys already know I don't have to really go over this. If most of you listen to the show, you know, you folks probably have heard of, of Roswell. The ones who aren't listening are the ones who will listen later. You've probably heard of it. And the ones who don't know about it, here you go. Get some get some, uh, get some, some reading material and, and read up on it. Take notes. Sep- yes. September 12th. 1952. Now, this is an important date for me. This is when my big man, the big buddy, the big friend, the Flatwoods Green Monster, crashes in Flatwoods, West Virginia, and is seen by the May family. September 12th. Obviously connected then. Um, now, this one, <laughs> a later episode I'm going to do, where I'm, I'm going to do a full bore episode on this, this one event because it's really going to be a, a good episode. It's going to be a lot of... Uh, just a lot of cool things. Uh, and maybe in the future, uh, Spider and I will get to go to the Mothman Festival and then the Flatwoods Green Monster Festival in Braxton County. Yes, so there is that. And then finally, on November 12th, 1966, in Point Pleasant, we have the Mothman. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's a cryptid. You guys did that episode already. And, this is um, just a rerun. rerun. <laughs> this is just... So... The reason why I put the Mothman in here because he was also thought to be a alien, an alien from another planet, come here to warn us of impending doom. He's either a dimensional being or an alien. So those are just three um, ones I really wanted to, to point out because they're three really important um, events that kind of set the stage for this. But now I'm going to turn this over to Spider because he's going to talk about the the whole psychology of the UFO aspect. And it's really interesting. Uh, Roswell gets a ton of visitors every year. And um, it's it's the site of a museum. It's the National UFO Museum. Um, it's got the most comprehensive um, documentation of UFO phenomena and, and things that they call artifacts, things that they say supposedly are pieces of, of crashed UFOs, all this other kind of thing. And and people are fascinated. People are fascinated by this. Um, it, I think most people are really interested in uh, in in things that might come from other planets for one reason reason or another. And this goes back a long ways. I mean, we have let's talk about War of the Worlds for a minute because um, this this caused panic. This caused panic. This was um, this was H.G. Wells's book. Uh, War of the Worlds, and it was done as a radio broadcast by, mm-hmm. um, wasn't it Orson Welles that did the radio yep, broadcast? Was, was uh, and they weren't related, I don't think. They were it just different spelling of the last names, but just coincidence. Yes, yes. Wells, is, Wells was W-E-L-L-E-S, mm-hmm. and H.G. Wells was W-E-L-L-S. That's right. So two different spellings. Fun fact, Orson Welles also plays at Unicron, the giant monster-transforming planet, in the 1985 movie Transformers, it was his last film before uh, before he yeah. died too. Interesting. He was like 400 pounds too. They he had, to, he had to be he was a big guy. carted around, so to speak, and it's crazy. He he died, I think, literally a few days after that film was was finished. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because he was quoted as saying, I, "I it's what a giant talking planet." 
and and he did the role. And uh, to me, I mean, a lot of people would say Citizen Kane is his best movie. I disagree one thousand percent. It is Transformers <laughs> the movie, nineteen eighty five, with some of the most memorable lines in all of movie history. So He's sorry, the guy didn't mean sitting to... at that table outside with the prove me wrong sign. <laughs> 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 Transformers is Orson Welles' best movie. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. He's got his cup of coffee up there. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. That's me. I'll be sitting outside of the Barnes and Noble with that, and we can you can come up and you can debate me. You can go up, you can say hi, debate me. That's right. And you'll still be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to it. Sorry. Uh, that, yeah, uh, Orson Welles broadcast this as a news report, and what did they? Before they started, they said that it was a dramatization. They said that it was... Mm-hmm. Um, that it no, was... they didn't. They didn't do that at all. They actually just broadcasted to see what would happen. Ah, interesting stuff. See, yeah. I'd heard some, some retrospectives that people said afterwards that they had framed it at the beginning and at the end, but not any point during the middle. Well, what, um, they, what, they, cause I, what they did was, I listened to this every Halloween... I, I play it while the trick-or-treaters come and get their candy because I think it's something really, really kind of cool to play. It's a different kind of uh, theme, you know, and listening to it. So what happens is he's they're, they're playing like a regular radio program. It's like some like big band thing. I, I wouldn't, I, you know, it, I didn't live back then, but listening to it, if they play a big band show and then. He comes on, he's like, ah, touch it, touch it, aliens of Lantern, and, and this, that, and the third. And so it works itself up. Now, I, like I said, I'm almost 100% positive that they, that this wasn't played out. Like they didn't say, hey, this is a dramatization. This was just something to see, hey, we're going to put this out there and see what people um, think. And supposedly, conspiracy theory episode, the government was in on it. And they only did this to see if they could control the people and put them in a frenzy. That's why this was done. So Interesting stuff. Um, the so, sorry, I didn't are, mean to cut you off. Oh, no, good deal. The, the details are that what they did was that they, they made a broadcast that sounded like a news report that claimed that, uh, that an alien invasion was occurring and that Martians had showed up on, uh, on planet and were... were causing havoc and, and causing damage and all kinds of other things and um people believed it people believed that it was going on and they went crazy like people mm-hmm. uh, they were glued to their radios for one thing and then other people were packing up they were making phone calls they were trying to get out of town um it, it caused a national emergency and um it's just interesting how something like that kind of shows uh, how people feel about these kind of things and how something like that should be presented. We still, to this day, debate how something like that, like an event of that significance, should be presented to the public. Like, there's government reports on it and things like that, and nobody really knows exactly the best way to do it. Especially if the aliens are hostile. I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen from that point. Like, what do you do? You just tell people, like, oh, well, um, they're here to uh, kill us all. Whoops. And then move on. So... Uh, there's going to be people panic going all over the place, but that was one of the really interesting parts of um, of our uh, UFO kind of culture that's going on, and um, part of that is preserved at the uh, at the um, the National UFO Museum in Roswell, New Mexico. Um, what exactly did happen there is still open to debate. I mean, there were some people who supposedly are witnesses. There's people who uh, 
who saw pieces of a craft. Um, it's been uh, sensationalized in um, in things like Alien Autopsy, which was just a show back in the <laughs> 90s. It was like a little, just a late night special that was, took place like right before the nightly news. I remember it. Like Jonathan Frakes yeah. from Star Trek was uh, yep. was the guy who did the, the he was the host of it. And they played it up. They was, played it up like it was a real thing. He, and he was like, he goes, what you may see may disturb some younger viewers. And I remember I remember watching it because I, I remember this. This was a really big thing back when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing it and I'm like, that thing looks like a cheap piece of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, they blurred it out and they tried to make I it know. kind of like. And it, I don't know. I, I don't even remember seeing it because it was up past my bedtime. So I didn't even get a chance to watch it. But, um, Everybody at school was like, oh, yeah, did you see that alien opsopsy? Blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, no. Was it good? No. Oh. <laughs> and then there were it people was... at school who were sure, sure that it was real and stuff like that. No. And yeah. the, the funny thing is it is me and my dad, I, I told my dad, I go, that looks straight up B science fiction movie. If anybody's ever seen any B science fiction movie, you know, the UFOs have the strings hanging on. You're like, I couldn't tell you the string. That's not a real UFO. It was kind of like that. And I think really what they did, excuse me, I think they played on people's love for the mysterious. And I think really in the scheme of things of psychology and, and uh, examining why we love UFOs so much, I think it's just we have a love affair with the unknown. We, we enjoy hearing like oh yeah i saw this thing in the sky and it was a diamond shaped or it was you know a triangle shape and i think that also plays into the role of where do we come from you mm -hmm. know because there's a lot of people that believe that we, we we might not be from this planet and i have a theory about that and we can get into that at some other point if you want to but um it, it's it's just our love affair with the unknown like i stated previous i think we we all you know, we all have the, the kind of humdrum existence as humans. You know, we get up, we go to work, or, you know, we, we take care of our children, we do whatever. And we come home, we watch TV, or we play video games, or we read a book. And it's kind of it kind of starts becoming the, a, a monotonous thing. It just becomes something we do every day. And so I think when people bring up the idea of UFOs or, or uh, you know, aliens, I think people were like, oh, this is this is foreign to me. This isn't part of my everyday routine. So we, 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 we fall in love with the concept. We fall in love with the idea. Because I think if UFOs were something that was just, they were, you know, they were all around and we space travel and all that, people would look at it as just another day. Oh, you're going to Alpha Centauri? Oh, that's cool. I'm going to head over by Taurus and, and pick up a snack. You know, I think that's that's our main reasoning why we love UFOs so much because it's an unknown. Mm -hmm. Same reason we love the paranormal same things we love the supernatural or cryptids because it's it's our love of the unknown or our love of the the mysterious or the uncanny <laughs> cheap plug um that that draws us into those sort of things and i'm guilty of that because i i love ufos and aliens so yeah and, and I, it's one of those things where there's so few actual there's a lot of documented cases but there's so few actual facts to it like we can sit here and we can quote you case after case after case after case and whether it actually happened or not is still going to be up to you to think about and decide whether well, well I guess that's plausible because we don't have I can't produce an actual piece of an alien craft here I can't go to Roswell and see let us into the hangars we want to see the aliens and they're just going to be like okay here you go there's tours every Tuesday um, 
Area 51. <laughs> Gregory. Is, I mean, Area 51 is a real place. I'll say that. It's a real place. Mm -hmm. It is a secure location. Like, if you go there and try to just walk up on there and be like, I'm going to go check it out, they will escort you off. And they're quick. They are quick. It's military police. It's not just like some no nub nobody's out there just hanging out and pretending that they're protecting aliens. I mean, they got something out there. But whether it's an actual alien craft or anything like that, uh, you can't really say. Um, it's a, a lot of people said it was for experimental aircraft and things of that nature. Um, and because it's a national security risk, nobody's allowed to go in there and, and leak stuff. Um, we've had, so, like, how many presidents since the 40s, since this happened, um, who haven't come out and be like, yeah, I went there, and uh, this is what happened, and these are the aliens, say hello. Um, Clinton, I remember, uh, President Clinton was um, supposedly, <clears throat> one of the things he wanted to do when he got into office was he, he was like, hey, I, I want to go out there and I want them to show us what's out there. And, of course, obviously he never did, so... It's of some kind of either he was just making it up or it was this national security thing where it's like, sir, we got this stuff going on. There's a reason we don't tell people about it. People can believe what they want, but you can't, you can't just be showing people stuff. So um, I think there's probably fascinating things there. I will say that. I would love to see what's actually there, even if I couldn't really tell anybody else. Although if it was something kind of like, oh, man, that's serious business, I think I'd be like, I'm telling some people. I got he would tell internet. me. I got the internet, sirs. Me. I know what I'm doing. Um, but then he would tell me, and then I, I would never hear from him again. The men in black would show up, and I'd have to go off and battle them, and then I'd have to ally with the aliens to, to fight off the evil Italian Earth threat, and you know how it is. So. Um, no, I don't. How is it? <laughs> oh, well, um, <laughs> let me just... Uh, if you look into the light here... <laughs> Here come the men in black. Galaxy Defenders. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm sure there's fascinating stuff out there. And, and I, like anybody else, would love to know what's actually out there. But who knows if it's actually aliens or not. And we all know government facilities, they kind of make things worse. Because they'll either not tell you anything... Or they'll tell you, oh, well, it's classified. Or they'll come up with some bizarre, like... Uh, it's a weather balloon, and they'll use that excuse once, and um, suddenly it's become like the truth about everything. So every right. single case is a weather balloon. So if they say it's legitimately a weather balloon, then it's could be a case where oh, it's obviously not a weather balloon. It's always something else, even when it actually could be a weather balloon. <laughs> and the, th the thing is too. If they do print out a report, it's redacted, 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 redacted. Black magic marker, redacted, redacted, redacted. Uh, mm -hmm. the 6.30. What? If I wanted to read this, I would just read a newspaper in another language. Because I would get about that much information. So, and, and the thing is, I think they like to dangle that in front of us like oh it's so mysterious and and like like spider said there's something in area 51 me personally i think it's technology i don't think it's necessarily alien technology but i think it's so advanced because like i said the the government has stuff that's at least 20 years ahead of what we have today so you know whether that's true or not in terms of of time frame maybe they have stuff 100 years or 50 years is beyond me because obviously I don't work at Area 51, and people who do work at Area 51 
are subject to tight security, super mm. tight security. You leak anything, you're going to prison for the rest of your life, pretty much. Because you have to sign all these contracts and non-disclosure agreements and you get security levels based on where you work. So if you work in some of the, the deeper recesses of Area 51, you have a, a specific uh, key card that gets you access into only this specific part mm. of Area 51. You take buses, you know, to different parts of Area 51. It's, 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 I mean, it, this is the bastion of conspiracy theorists or for conspiracy theorists because if you look at it, you know, different key cards, take buses everywhere, non disclosure agreements, secret contracts, alien technology, once again, finger quotes. Advanced technology, um, people can't talk about it. People live on site. Mm-hmm. The first thing that's re- that's red flag after red flag after red flag. Except taking the bus everywhere, that's not really red flag. People do that every day. <laughs> they take buses, <laughs> but and and there's jobs that do that too. You know, um, I, I would guess like airports. Airports, you probably have to take buses for some of the larger ones if you work there to get to different tarmacs. So. I mean, in that regard, but the the key card instance and and everything else. I mean, I'm sure there's there's places that have different key cards depending on your the the level that you work in in certain corporate institutions, you know. But mm-hmm. to to put them all together and and then add on to the fact of the Roswell crash and we have secret groups like the uh, the Majestic Twelve and supposedly President Eisenhower actually met, I believe, a gray. So if we tie all this in together, throw Area 51 on it, conspiracy theorists think that that's where everything, everything is, is Area 51. And Mm. we would like to see it. So people out there in Area 51 land, if you want to extend some invitations to us, you know, you can. And we will talk about it on the show unless you have to sign non-disclosure agreements. And then we won't be able to talk about it on the show. So we'll, we'll just we'll just have the whole show. We'll be like next up, Area Fifty One. We'll, we'll we'll troll bait everybody, and then we'll be like Tuesday, November seventh. Redacted, redacted, redacted. A redacted, redacted, redacted. Nice day. Redacted, redacted, redacted. A black redacted, redacted, redacted. That was a fun trip. The end. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I think our listener base would be highly upset. <laughs> Now, what's interesting, too, is there's another place that has almost as much mystique as uh, as Area 51, even though we know what's in it already. Um, Andrews Air Force Base is uh, – is um, it's it's the, the Air Force Base that's in Maryland that holds um, Air Force One, the president's plane. And um, – one of the things that there's been multiple multiple cases of this that people have come forward and said that in a hangar at Andrews Air Force Base, there's the uh, the reverse engineered. Um, there's a, a UFO that's being reverse engineered, like as we speak right now. Um, and this has been going on for years. It's not something that's just like, oh, really? And then all of a sudden, you know, it's within the last ten years or so. I, it, this has been something that almost as long as Roswell. Um, that there's been a mystery that there's something in the hangars at Andrews Air Force Base. And it, what's really interesting is because there's a lot more disclosure on what's there because it's the president's it's the president's um jet and everything like that. So um I don't know. I, 
I'm kind of like, well, can we go and see it? And I'm sure they'll say no because it's a security risk and everything like that. And that's probably where it stems from. A lot of places that have security stuff like that, um, as we've mentioned about the key cards and everything like that, anything like that, and people start instantly saying, well, what are you hiding? What are you hiding? True. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, when, when people say, you know, what are you hiding, I think full disclosure of a, of, of anything, you know, that is that is uh, paramount to the safety of, of you know, citizens hmm. is, isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, I think if the government came on TV right now, we interrupt this program to bring you a special broadcast, president gets on, says, hey, there's been aliens from the start. This, 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 this. I think it would send the world into a panic, at least the United States into a panic. And I think, especially uh, religious folks, you know, they would, they mm. would, they would probably go into the panic at first because they'd be like, oh no, you know, this, 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 and that, and, and you know, uh, as a, as a, you know, fairly religious person myself, not too, not too extreme in my beliefs. Um, I believe in aliens. So, you know, if the president did that, I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. This is, you know, I've been, you know, I've been, I've been hoping for this. But I think it would be something that would just shock the whole civilization, our civilization. Mm. It would, it would undermine a lot of the, the fabric of our society because people would be thinking, oh, you know, I think it would undermine some theories of evolution, some scientific theories. Just, it, it, it would, it would, so I think it would send our, our country into a catastrophic state. Mm. And there's so many people. And I think there'd be looting and, and probably riots and, and people pushing to get to Area 51. I mean, yeah, you have you, – they, they probably have a small army at Area 51. But what are you going to do when a million citizens storm the gates? Now, whether that happens or not, I don't know. I don't know if it would, it would escalate to that point. But I do think it would, it would send, send, the, send the, the country into a panic, especially if you have evidence. And then you say, well, we've been holding this for you for years. Well, what else have you been holding from us besides this whole con- mm-hmm. this whole thing of aliens? So in that regard, I think that the that keeping a um, a somewhat tight disclosure on this thing is a good thing. Now, I also think that it it it, it should be leaked little at a time, little bit, little bit. You know, start with maybe something on the lines of, hey, you know, we we found alien tech or we found an alien ship. And then go from there. You know, they'll take it up a little bit. You, you, it's something you have to baby steps our society with, especially mm. in an age of, especially in our information age, because people would have it like that. It'd be all over social media. It'd be all over, you know, uh, YouTube. I mean, it already is over YouTube. That's why there's all those like it, it, two in the morning. You're like uh, scrolling through your 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 videos. Oh, proof of alien. Oh, I have to watch this. It's a YouTube video. It's got to be true. So, uh, you know, I think that's. I think sometimes full disclosure isn't always a good idea. Mm-hmm. Just that. Just my, that's just my personal opinion. Now, um, to take it kind of a different direction, um, as far as the the UFO phenomenon goes, there's there's the sightings of the UFOs and everything like that, and uh, which is interesting because of how the the craft behave. But there's also the fact that a lot of people who, when they see UFOs, also claim that there's uh, that there's sinister stuff going on. We can get into um, cattle mutilations, which are really kind of creepy, and, um, and and actual abductions and, and, and things of that nature. Because there are quite a lot of people in the world who believe that they have been abducted. 
Mm -hmm. um, they have really vivid memories. If you take them 100% at their word, I'm, I'm not going to go out and say any of these people are lying because I don't know these people. I haven't interviewed mm -hmm. them myself. I've seen interviews. Some people come off as pretty credible. Some people come off kind of goofy, but that's also kind of human. Um, there are some people who might have practiced it and really like acted it out really well, and those are the credible people, and they could be full of it. And there could be the people who are totally crazy who are just like, oh, man, this UFO came out of nowhere, ah, and they can't articulate it well enough because it's such a crazy thing. And they're actually telling the truth. So it's it's hard to say what goes on. But um, one of the things that apparently the, the abductions, what happens during a lot of these is there's experiments, um, which is kind of a, a freaky thing. I mean, nobody wants to be, wants to feel like they're part of some kind of experiment. I mean, not, I mean... We don't like to feel like we're experiments among ourselves. Like when people found out that um, that Facebook was doing that, uh, which most of us who are kind of in the know already knew they were doing this, doing those algorithms to try to see what kind of control and things they could exert over people. Like, do these mm -hmm. special frames, blah, 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 support this particular issue. Hey, and how many people did that? Um, and uh, so we don't like those kind of experiments. When it came out that, yeah, that was a social experiment for Facebook, everybody was really pissed off. And then you have to worry about, well, what if it's an alien experiment and they're, and they're, they're checking us out? Of course, then that leads to some people saying, yeah, they're going to send the probes in. And I kind of feel like an alien species would have much better things to do than just to put a probe where, you know, it's uncomfortable. Mm. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't see why anybody, even an alien species, would gain from that. If they want to see how that particular process of the body works, they could just watch us, you know, poop somewhere, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come Family on. Family show. I, well, Family that's why show. I said that. I didn't say it in, like, what other words. Because I'm thinking other words in my head when I say that, obviously. Um, I'm a bit coarse in my language sometimes, folks. And this was the pretty dumb version. But uh, but yeah, I think aliens have better things to do than try to like go deep inside to find that stuff out, you know. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about real quick. I'm going to bring up two two of the big abductions, or, or notable, I should say. You know, there's these these are ones that kind of kind of steamrolled it. I'm going to bring the two notables, but I'm going to bring up the earliest abduction. This really isn't notable because. There's not much. There's not much proof in it. So I'm going to do this one first because I always like to, I always like to kind of take it back as far as we can go because I think if we can get kind of a historical aspect on it, we could bring it to the you know we could bring it to the future or the forefront and say to ourselves, okay, based on the information we have today, what does this sound like? So without further ado, on November 27th, 1896, an edition of the Stockton, California Daily Mail. Colonel H.G. Shaw claimed he had a friend and himself that botched all that up, but that's all right. They were harassed by three tall, slender humanoids whose bodies were covered with a fine, downy hair who also tried to kidnap the pair. Now, whether or not this is true, this is 1896. Like I said before, with the great um, airship wave, kids could have been drinking the old cough syrup. Um... Or else it could just been some people dressed up and, 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 and messing with them. Now, also, it could actually have been aliens being practical jokers or playing pranks. We don't know that. So that's the earliest. Um, let's jump ahead to October 16, 1957, to a Mr. Antonio Velas Boas, a 23-year-old Brazilian farmer 
Now, Mr. Boa saw a red star-like object. It came closer to him and then landed. He tried to flee on a tractor, but in most, uh, like in most movies, electronics does not start when the aliens come around. The EMP pretty much knocks that out. So he tries to run. So he's... <laughs> he gets apprehended by a five-foot-tall humanoid who is wearing gray coveralls and helmet. Now think about this for a second, folks. He's five foot, five feet tall. Okay, and he's wearing gray coveralls and a helmet. I don't know how you get captured by somebody that that that, that isn't as tall, possibly as you are. But okay, maybe he's faster. I don't know. Um, it made barks and yelps instead of speech. So obviously, this was a dog alien creature of some form. Or um, or some little debate here, or somebody talking through a megaphone. Ah, could have been that too. Uh, yeah, hard to understand sometimes if they're right up close and they're yelling at you, barking orders. Huh? Huh? Uh-huh. There it is. Anyway, there continue. it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mister Boas was taken inside of the craft, stripped of his clothes because aliens love to strip us of our clothing. Just like what it's I weird. told you about. It's weird, aliens. If you're listening, it's weird. All right, it's weird. It's not acceptable. All right. So then he was covered in a strange gel, also weird. Come on. And then he was taken to a room with red symbols wrapped around the door. The reason why I bring this up is because he was able to um, produce these same symbols when questioned about it. He he memorized them to a T. Uh, whether or not that that's, those were actual on the door or that he just made them up, nobody knows. Uh, blood was taken not from a vein in his arm or his leg or his thigh. His chin Yes, the aliens were taking blood from the chin. Huh. He was he was then taken to a room where gas was pumped in and made him violently ill. Now this gets better. If you didn't think the whole blood chin and the violently ill made, it was, was the end of it, it is not. A humanoid woman was brought in, and as you folks can guess it, they had sexual intercourse. Afterwards, the woman was said to be pointing to her stomach and then upwards meaning their space baby would be raised in outer space. He was then taken on a tour of the ship, tried to steal something, and then forced to leave. So, yeah, he ended up having four children, and then I believe he died in 1991. I, I, I don't know. I don't know on this one. This one just seems weird. That, you know, it, it just seems too by the book of, of Alien. I think maybe maybe Mr. Boaz might have had a, uh, I don't know, maybe he took something or, I, I don't know. So that's that's the very first um, notable abduction. The second one, and this one, this one here is probably the most famous abduction. Um, and this is where we'll get to, to, after this we'll talk about alien types. Betty and Barney Hill had a UFO sighting on September 19, 1961. Now, Betty claims to have observed a bright point of light that moved below the moon and then to Jupiter. Not, she couldn't see to Jupiter, but in the vicinity of Jupiter. Uh, And then kind of flying around, dipping and moving. And then uh, Betty urges her husband, Barney, to stop the car for a closer look because human beings are curious like that. We want to see if it's an actual alien instead of being like, eh, maybe not not today, not that I'm going to take off. So uh, Betty 
um, was was look was looking around, seeing it. Barney started looking looking with his binoculars. So he sees this odd shaped craft flashing multicolored lights, and it was traveling across the face of the moon. One mile south of Indian Head, the object begins to chase their car. Now Barney stops the car, gets out of the car, and starts moving towards the ship. The ship has stopped, and it's just kind of hovering there. Uh, Barney looked up, had the binoculars. He claims to see 8 to 11 humanoid figures looking at him. Both of the, the couple tries to flee, but the ship shoots out a ray of some form down to the car. Now the, 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 the hills hear the trunk rattling and moving around. Then they begin to feel an altered state of consciousness. They kind of pass out. The next thing they know, they return to their body. So they kind of had an out-of-body experience sort of thing. Then they're put back. Afterwards... They they have they have problems. They put the the items they wore that day. They kind of put them in the back. They don't want them in the front. They don't want to look at them. Uh, Betty's dress is 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 uh, is all tattered and torn. Um, they have nightmares. They have visions. They have all kinds of different things happen to them. And they take lie detector tests, which they pass. Um, and they do this under uh, they they do the lie detectors and they do this under hypnosis. Where they do kind of like a, a, a uh, they kind of put them under, and, and they're able to recite it perfectly, the the, the multiple times they do it with very few ink, with very few kind of changes, which would be indicative of two people telling a story. They might not, they're not going to tell the same exact story word for word, line for line. So there's going to be a little bit of uh, of wiggle room, so to speak, in that. And um, the the beings they said they saw were the Greys. Now, if anybody knows what the Greys are. The greys are actually the little gray creatures with the black eyes, or or as they're as they're also known, the Zeta reticulans. Um, they're they're one of the biggest like pictures of aliens. Whenever you see aliens, you always see that form, the the kind of um, elongated head with mm. the black eyes and the no nose, the mouth, and the, and the the gray body. So that's just one type. Um, I'm going to get into the other types. After we get back from the break, because it is almost break time for all you folks out there looking to get a quick bite to eat or a quick cup of coffee, you will have plenty of time to do such things. Uh, so we're going to pause for some beautiful station identification to tell you about the amazing shows that are coming up here on Let's Talk About the Music Network. That's right. And um, unlike for usual, I wasn't actually prepared, so I'm going to go ahead and find that file on the laptop here. And uh, just say that this episode is sponsored by Lucky Charms. Just kidding. We're not really <laughs> sponsored by anything. Least of all, Lucky Charms. So um, yeah. This episode it, is sponsored by me because <laughs> it is. If anything, it would be sponsored by Crown Royal because, you know, that's usually what's going on. Um, usually. I wish. <laughs> Crown Royal, if you want to reach out and give us a sponsorship. We would definitely mention your no, because then they'll be like, "I bet those boys did see some UFOs." Well, all right, I found my file. I'm gonna go ahead and get out of the shenanigans for a second, and uh, and let's listen to this. Hey, everybody! It's your good friend Spider from Let's Talk About the Music Radio Network here to tell you about all the quality content that we have for you to listen to every week. On Wednesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 Pacific, it's the Let's Talk About the Music radio show. It's our flagship show. It sets the cornerstone of the whole network. We talk to a wide range of industry professionals in the entertainment business, and we get their opinions on all kinds of things, controversial or otherwise. Tune in. 
on Thursday nights is the brand new This Uncanny Earth, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific, where we talk about a wide variety of paranormal experiences, paranormal instances, and anything else that ends with the. <laughs> you knew it'd have to sneak a joke in there somewhere. So tune into that with me and my good buddy Rob every week. Get to the chat room, get to the Facebook group, This Uncanny Earth Official, and let's hear your opinions. On Friday nights, every week, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, you have the Dirty Rotten Weekend with me, and I'm going to be playing the best underground indie music for you, uncensored, unfiltered, commercial-free for a couple hours for your listening pleasure. And that's what we got. Tune in every week and listen on demand on a wide variety of streaming services. I look forward to seeing you in the chat room. Hey, everybody, we're back. Did you miss us? Was I missed you. For that minute or minute or two? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but welcome back. Let's jump right back into it. So now I'm going to talk about aliens. And I'm going to talk about the types of aliens. Um, there's, there's there's quite a bit of, of, of different types of aliens. We discussed the Greys or the Zeta Reticulans earlier, and that was popularized by the abduction of Barney and Betty Hill in 1961. But it was also from the uh, Roswell incident of 1947 and the Alien Autopsy Show from back in the 90s. So we do have the greys. Next up, we have our good buddy, the Flatwoods Green Monster. Um, he basically, supposedly it was a reptilian wearing a spacesuit, But looking at it, it kind of looks like an owl shape. And that's what they, they say it was. It was an owl, a barn owl or something. But that's for another show. Um, so Flatwoods Green Monster. And then we have Little Green Men. Now, the Little Green Men, that's one of the most popular phrases of of the of uh, of aliens, you know. Oh, it was little green men. I saw little green men. These are small gremlin-like aliens. And a story in night. In, oh, I'm sorry, a story from 1899 called Green Boy from Hurrah leads to one of the first mentions of so-called little green men, with Hurrah being the planet that they are actually from. So, and and, and, the, and the fun thing is, is you know, going going doing the research and and looking up UFOs and reading about where they came from, where the, the where the, the, the pop culture aspects come from, you get to see some of the early, early, early aspects of aliens or UFOs or what people thought about them. You know, because when people, when people talk about UFOs and things and aliens, they look at it from a 1950s era or 1950s style viewpoint forward. And, and a lot of that was, was because of the, the, uh, the times we were living in in 1950s, it was a lot of uh, Cold War um, hostilities and uh, atomic power and things of that. So a lot of that, you know, was was real big and, and you know made made uh, great movies, great excuse me, great fiction. But a lot of stuff is from the 1800s mm-hmm. and even before. So that's just a little. And um, if we start talking about pre 1800 and even like back into kind of echoing our, our ancient alien episode then of course yes mr james goodfine we do have to bring up a certain authority on these matters the man with the hair oh, and the alien Sucalos. memes with the hands Giorgio sukalos 
A lot of Zuko people who is. um who are into the UFO thing might be fans of the show Ancient Aliens, which is um what is that on uh what's History. that on History Channel? Um, History Channel. It, it usually features a, a host of people who are pretty regular there. David Childress. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not going to do the impression now. I'm not we, we we have we have kind of an inside joke about David Childress because it's kind Wouldn't of it be possible kind if of. some kind of radio show of co- talked about me and I liked it. So and of course, um, of course, it has uh, everybody's good friend in, in the extraterrestrials. Uh, I am Von Daniken, and uh, we we will be talking about them today. And so we have Von Daniken, Sugalos, got all the good stuff on the old ancient aliens. Mm. Now these guys, um, most of these guys are pretty, uh, pretty knowledgeable about the stories and about the things that they've, uh, and um, the various, uh, the the various histories and whatnot. Um, I know that the the show Ancient Aliens is, is meant for entertainment, of course. So a lot of the things that these guys talk about, they get blown up and out of proportion, and they like to kind of get like, what if this thing happened and it's happening today? And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, the aliens are here among us! Oh my goodness, run for your life! Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, especially Von Daniken, the books that he's written, actually, most of them make a lot of sense. And even in his later books, he went back and said, hey, I did make some mistakes in my early books. I was a little excited, so I put them out anyway. But here's some corrections to that that I think might be more plausible, etc., etc. Um, and even uh, even Giorgio Sukalos, in most of his interviews apart from the show, has been fond of saying that um, he likes to believe, as you do, Rob, that, that humans don't get as much credit as they should and that um, not every single thing in history was actually done by the aliens themselves. He does 100% right. believe that there was a lot of influence, um, but uh, he he is still one of those people that he believes in people. He's a, he's a very personable guy. I've, I followed him on Facebook, and um, and he's a really kind of personable guy. He doesn't post as much as he used to. Um, either he's probably really, really busy, or he got tired of people bo- uh, bothering him about stuff. But um, yeah, very personable, very uh, a lot more down to earth than you would think. What's interesting is that he's a former bodybuilder and not actually—he wasn't originally a scientist. Um, he was just a guy who thought UFOs were cool and aliens were awesome, and he got in touch with other people who were in the the know about that kind of stuff, <clears throat> and got really deep into it and started joining expeditions. Um, he has been kind of the face of the modern, um, of the modern, are the aliens among us kind of chain of thought. So anybody mm-hmm. who who really is into it these days is probably going to know who he is and probably reference him at least once or twice. Um, but uh, I, I actually I cut my teeth on uh, on um, uh, drawing a blank, twelfth uh, planet, Zachary uh, Sitchin. Thank you. That's who I cut my teeth on. With we've mentioned this. him before. Uh, we've mentioned Zachary Sitchin many times. Some people are probably like, oh yeah, you talked about him. Um, he prided himself as a Sumerian scholar. And um, I think he did a lot of good work in that area. Mm-hmm. But I, he wasn't the best linguist. No. And he did make some problems with his translations. Although it's kind of difficult to stay one way for another because... Nobody really knows how ancient Sumerian was supposed to go. Even the following right. language, Akkadian, which which superseded the uh, the Sumerian um, Empire, no one really knows how it was supposed to be spoken. What the what the the grammar was supposed to be. It, it's in a worse shape than Latin. Latin, at least, we know how to say it. Um, 
because there was enough like treaties and things written on on how to mm-hmm. teach people, but they don't have that kind of thing surviving from from Akkadian and Sumerians. So we really have no idea. We could be completely way off um, on how we're interpreting it. But what he did was he took what he believed he knew about the language, uh, interpreted their pantheon of religion as as a story of of ancient astronauts visiting the planet seeding it with life and then having a a battle among themselves a nuclear war that forced them to leave uh and because we were here then the planet was left to us um which is an interesting concept um Supposedly, it was the Sumerian gods who were the ones who needed the gold, who started instructing us to to gather it and work it, and that the whole reason that we love it so much is because of that legacy. Uh, we've forgotten completely why we hoard it so much or why it's even valuable, and that's why we're we're these days we know that uh, that gold is a good conductor of electricity, and so mm-hmm. it's in our computers, it's in almost every electronic device that we use. There is uh, there's a bit of gold, so. Um, that kind of brings things full circle. If I was going to speculate, I would say, well, yeah, if you knew that gold was a conductor and you thought you would need it, then full circle, you would want people to get it for you if you were an mm-hmm. advanced species on a new planet and you needed to make repairs or to build new equipment or or whatnot. You would need as much gold as possible. Um, and if you suddenly had to leave without really explaining why and, and you never told these people why you were gathering the gold or what you needed it for people would continue to gather it thinking that it was valuable for some reason so a lot of interesting things that came out of that and um and Sitchin passed away not a super long ago I mean it's it's been a while now but um he wrote Man, how many books did he write? Like 15, 16 books at least? Yeah, because I believe he updated the 12th planet mm-hmm. three three to five times. And he had more books that weren't mistaken. part of the main series. His main book mm-hmm. series was called the, uh, the Earth Chronicles. The Earth Chronicles. And it was yep. all about the various evidence and things that he believed he'd uncovered that, that detailed his theories about how we were descended from ancient uh, astronauts up on forward and he, he fantastic in, books oh yeah very good very informative fantastic. even if you don't really but, believe all the stuff that goes on right. in him and, you're, he, and you think it's kind of sketchy on some parts because some of it does seem kind of fantastic which, which, into... which I personally do while I cut my teeth on his books mm. after reading them I'm like okay you know I, I pulled bits bits and pieces out of it you know to, to, to go along with the research I was doing but then I'd go back and like okay this uh, this guy he does have some inconsistencies with his translation. That was his, that was the biggest critique of his work was that your translations are kind of off, but it's a dead language. You know, it's, it's, it's really, really hard to, 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 to pull a dead language back to life. I mean, they did it with Latin because like spider said, we have written records of, of how to, how to, how to uh, speak it, you know, how to use it. You know, we have so many things were used with it. Sumerian, nobody uses it anymore. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that speaks Sumerian. <laughs> I mean, if you guys do, you know, let them let, let us know. But uh, yeah, his that's where he was a little off. But the basis for what he has to say is phenomenal, and it, it some of it makes sense. Um, one of my favorite books from him, not the Twelfth Planet, which is great. That's that's a good if if you're looking to get into this, 
this kind of uh, whole alien um, where do we come from concept and you're looking into the alien realm of it, it's a good place to start because you can get bogged down with a lot of different authors that bring this kind of thing to the table. But uh, Sitchin is a good start. Mm. So when I when I was reading his books, my favorite is probably Genesis Revisited because you know I, I grew up in a in a Christian household, so you know I, I've, I've read the Bible, I've studied it, and um, this book to me hit closest to home in terms of you know I okay I remember you know reading this and, and reading this and oh this is interesting or oh this is fascinating, so it was a cool it was it was a cool way to see it from a different perspective per se. Uh, currently, my favorite favorite author in terms of uh, of aliens is a man by the name of Richard C. Hoagland. I would ho- I would like to get him on the show one day. He's a he's a a fantastic author. Um, Monuments of Mars, I believe is what it's called. I have it upstairs. I just haven't. I just can't pull the name, but I believe it's Monuments of Mars. Discusses the different. Um, Things like the face on Mars, the supposed pyramids, and kind of formulates it into a concept that, hey, you know, Mars had had extraterrestrial life at one time. And uh, I, I have a theory that, that that's possible. And um, I think that's where we may have come from. And the reason I think it is because, you know, we, we probably might have lived there at one time. And then, you know, we, we did some uh, some stupidity like humans are known to do and blew up the atmosphere, you know. Whether or not that's true, obviously, you know, I'm not sitting here abdicating, you know, this 100% fact. They better start teaching it in schools right now or else I'm going to write an angry, angry letter to my senator or my congressman. It's just a theory. It, it's really just a theory. Um, I don't have any 100% concrete evidence proof. But I, I, you know, it's 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 kind of a cool kind of idea or concept. Um, so Richard C. Hoagland, uh, Monuments of Mars, I believe is what's called. I'll, I'll look it up here in a second, just to just to kind of verify it for everybody. But um, it, it's 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 a great uh, it's a great current style book, I should say. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's current current, but it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit newer than than Sitchin's books. Mm-hmm. So you know, start with Sitchin or start with uh, Von Daniken. It's a good. That's another good place to start, um, and then go from there. But uh, be- before we jump into this, um, oh, by the way, it's eleven eleven. I, I recognize eleven eleven. For anybody that's into numerology, eleven eleven is a- is a significant number. It's supposed to be Enochian in origin. So, mm-hmm. I, and I I, cons- I consistently see this number, consistently. So this just, I just thought I'd bring that out there. It's it's not like it's a a, 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 a number show, but just kind of, because I don't want you guys to be like, oh, God, not again. He's not doing sacred geometry again, is he? <laughs> He's throwing out them numbers at us. Oh, man, um, I don't want to do no equations. I want to I wanna do, I'm going to finish up the, the alien types real quick before we jump into the next part. Um, one of the big ones, one of the ones that people say the presidents are, these Hollywood actors and actresses are my favorite, your favorite, David Icke's favorite, Ooh. the reptilians. The reptilians. Yes, the tall draconian aliens that supposedly have a secret agenda to take over the world and brainwash the population through music, 
through government and through entertainment besides music obviously i should have just said entertainment so yes reptilians and finally the nordic and aryan aryan humanoid type so the blonde haired blue-eyed tall nordic uh, aliens such as the vril which we talked about in a previous episode um and, and, and a lot of time, these are, are some of the aliens that are actually seen in cases of contact. Not so much the reptilians. The reptilians are more of the um, the, the, the boogeymen of the alien world. Mm-hmm. And people on YouTube videos will be like, if you look how they pause it here and look at uh, look at this president's eyes. Oh, he's reptilian. Look at such and such singer's eyes. They're reptilian. No, dude, you just paused it. You can make my eyes reptilian, too, if you... If I'm sitting here talking, you videotape me long enough, <laughs> and I blink, you can be like, I knew it. I knew Rob was a reptilian the moment I met him. And I don't, and I don't, you know, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. What's but, interesting is that this reptilian thing is one of the most, um, it, it's along with the greys, is one of the most common um, alien things to come up among conspiracy theories. It's actually, supposedly, we talked a few episodes ago about the Illuminati. The reptilians are supposed to run the Illuminati. Oh, yeah, and, that's um, right. Most major figures like George W. Bush was a reptilian. Uh, Obama yep. was a reptilian. Um, the Pope is a reptilian. Um, numerous Lady Gaga celebrities, supposedly yeah, re- a reptilian. They have a video on YouTube of Michelle Obama and Beyonce, and they're like, they're a reptilian. And I'm like, you just pause the video. All you're doing is just pausing the video when they blink because video will distort faces. You know, if if you take video long enough, you're going to have, you know, it's like people who you take pictures of somebody. Hey, 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 Mr. Mr. James Goodvine says reptilians are everywhere and the daywalker is a reptilian. Hey, you know what? I don't appreciate (laughs) being called a reptilian. And I'm going to tell my father, the draconian overlord about this, and he's going to get, uh, He's going to get somebody that people like. Uh, who do the kids like these days? Justin Bieber, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. He's I, a reptilian, though. That dude's got to be a reptilian. <laughs> <laughs> but supposedly all these reptilians infiltrated and taken, taken over stuff. George Soros is supposedly like the, the head reptilian of reptilians. And yeah. David See, let's, let's talk about that for and, just a second. I mean, people... I don't think that Mr. George Soros is the finger on the pulse of every single thing that goes wrong with the world. So before you start screaming, it's Soros money funding something bad. Let's just take a breath and just be like, I don't think so. He's an old man. He'll, you know, everybody has their time and then they're done. So uh, after he's gone, I'm sure people will latch on to somebody else and say they're the next... You're the next Soros. You're funding blah 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 blah. The <laughs> fluoride in the water. I can't believe this uncanny earth was funded by George Soros. No, I know, and I'm, I don't mean to like. I don't even want to defend him because I don't. I don't know him. I no. just know that he's at the root of a lot of stuff, and he does spend his money in ways that I'm not particularly 100 percent and agree with. But I, I don't agree with a lot of people on how they spend their money. But that's how they want to spend right. their money. You know, I mean, it's not like he's taking my money and then spending it on something I don't agree with. If he was he is taking my like, hey, give me your money. I'm going to fund this research on lobotomizing small toenails. Um, no. Oh, man. I'm going to do it anyway. 
going to take your money. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on this one. I don't think he's George the modern Soros... Illuminati boogeyman. Like he's the right. scapegoat for every bad right. thing that ever goes on. I think. I, I don't think he's the end all be all of the evilness of the world. You know, he he's just he's another jerk. Honestly, yeah, and you know, I mean. <laughs> Same goes for the Rockefellers. I mean, as long as you have these DuPonts, Rockefellers, Soros, Rothschilds. Rothschilds. I mean, you have all these families that are just this big reptilian Illuminati <laughs> group. But honestly, you know, it, it, it. While there are evil people, and there's evil people in higher places, and that's obvious. You know that. You know that's that's humankind. We have that. That's what that's what we are sometimes. To sit there and blame everything. On these families or these people, you at some point you have to sit back and take stock of yourself. What am I doing to, to to ensure that this evil doesn't spread or this evil doesn't become something that 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 continues on? You know, to sit around and just blame people like Soros or people like Rothschilds or Rockefellers. Okay, you know they can take the blame for the things that they've done. But what are you doing to help? What are you, or what are you doing to educate people? Or what are you doing to, to ensure that people like that can't can't uh, uh, keep respawning? You know, I, I just you know uh, these guys are, are the uh, the Illuminati boogeyman, like Spider said. And I think we need to do more in educating ourselves. If these people are so bad, get rid of them. I mean, and they're just know, people, and they're just people too. I don't, right. I don't think well, those no, people not. really are some. Big overlord reptilian. No, Ike says or Icky, <laughs> David Icky, he says that they're draconian reptilian creatures from Zevlon Seven. Well, that just okay. sounds icky to me. But um... yeah, you're, you're <laughs> icky. But um, yeah. But I, wait, uh... fun fun fact: before Mister Ike was into this whole weirdness, he was a sports broadcaster. So. No. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, go, go ahead, Spider. I apologize. Alien, <laughs> reptile. Um, I don't know. Nice. <laughs> Manchester but, um, United wins again with the aliens. Aye. Well, let's um, let's talk a little bit again about um, because we got way sidetracked, which was good. I liked the sidetrack that we got into, but um, it's fun. It's fun. There's a lot of things that um that that UFOs are connected to, like so we mentioned that they were connected to. Loch Ness, connected to the various cryptids, mm-hmm. also connected to most of our major monuments from the past, like Stonehenge yes. supposedly was a way to communicate with aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Giza Plateau with uh, with the pyramids, all that other kind of stuff. Um, the pyramids in uh, in Mesoamerica, Nazca, interesting Nazca, Nazca lines because they can only really be seen in their majesty from uh, from elevation. Um. What's really interesting, though, and this is something that I'm kind of like, hmm, okay, I can see this, is um, in uh, in Jerusalem, there is a, uh, not talking about the city itself, but it's built on a big, huge stone plateau. That's uh, it, It's, I guess you could say it's man-made, but it's an artificially built plateau. It's a big platform, one big giant stone platform, and you can go there and you can look. It can you can see how big the stones are that build this platform, mm-hmm. and they still don't know how these stones 
were placed there. It's kind of like how the how the pyramids are. They've they've got all kinds of theories and things, but nobody really has a satisfactory theory for how these huge stones got here. Um, they're bigger than the than the city on top needs them to be, actually. And the city and the temples and all that has been like destroyed repeatedly over the past and that kind of thing, because this has been the site of uh, of the both the Temple of Israel and temples of other cultures in between during um, during the Exodus and all that other kind of stuff. So I'm not going to get too much into that because that's a lot of history. Um, but the platform itself really kind of fascinates me because when we build platforms for rockets that we send to the International Space Station and we send to for whatever we're sending up into space... They have to be a certain thickness, they have to be a certain material, they have to be all this like durability to make sure that they can survive all of the heat, all of the, the energy coming off of that rocket to lift off. And you look at a platform like this, and you see how much bigger it is than what's up above it, and you have to wonder, was it built to be such a massive foundation, or was it built to be to withstand a really super high-energy force? Which is why it fascinates me. I, I, I think this is more likely to be something related to a UFOs than, than the pyramids or than Stonehenge or any of these other things. Because it's meant to withstand the pressure of some kind of a large craft. Um, personal opinion, though, of course. I don't know that for sure. Nobody really knows. Um, it, but that's, that's, that's my one big, like, okay, this is my UFO tie-in right there. What about you, Rob? What What's your big object on earth that you would think you know i really believe this might have a tie-in to to the whole ufo thing oh man that is a tough decision if i had to guess i would have to go the nazca the nazca lines because close to those lines are big huge plateaus like what you're what you're talking about where ships could land um and i think what the ships did what they used when they were flying over um, and looking for places, you know, for, to land and, and, and do whatever they were doing. I think they use those markers as indicators. So, you know, say you're driving, you know, you're going down the street and you're like, okay, I know there's a roundabout here, which is going to take me over to this side of town. If I use this roundabout, I need to go to that side of town. So I need to use that roundabout. You take that way or you take the right way. And you're like, okay, there's a church here. And I remember that there's a church on the right hand side. And I need to turn before the church on the left-hand side to get to where I need to go. To me, the Nazca line seemed the most um, likely of places of UFO uh, phenomena in terms of, of, of our ancient world. Because why else would you make these gigantic, gigantic, and these things were big, and they were birds, and they were all kinds of, of different designs, if not for directions. You know, it's, to me, that there is is a good uh indicator of ufos now i know a lot of people say well you know they did it for their gods or or, or what have you but the my, my whole thing on that is okay but why is it so exact i mean these the it and it stood the test of time these things are exact mm. so the bird itself still looks like a bird and we're in 2019 and these things are thousands of years the monkey old. looks really obviously like a monkey. yes Yes, so to me that you know, okay, if I'm if I'm hanging with my with my with my boy in the spaceship and we're like, hey, where do we go? How do we get to Egypt? Turn right at the monkey. Okay, here's the monkey. Now I'm gonna turn right. 
cool, we're in Egypt. We're landing at the at the at the Giza plateau, and we're gonna jump over to to Jerusalem. Okay, well, what's here? What we can we can identify as a marker? Okay, so here's the here's the pyramid of of, uh, of Djoser. So we got to take a left the pyramid of Djoser, and then we'll go on down and make a right, so on and so forth. So basically, it was just um, intergalactic kind of directions, you know, here on Earth. So that the ships could say, okay, here's this. I need to turn this way to go this, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Because to me, it doesn't, I mean, people are, are when, when people devote themselves to their religious ideals and beliefs, people can do amazing things, also horrible things. So let's not, let's put this in perspective. But to, to, to draw out these gigantic formations and, and, and these huge, 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 huge designs... And we're not talking about crop circles, which we didn't even really get into tonight, but that's that's probably some dudes out in the field with, with these kind of shoe things and all that. We're not going to get into that, but um, to, to make these intricate designs, and, and, and let me touch on something here. They always like to say that these people were primitives, or these people were savages, or these people were this, people were that, but they were just in te- just as intelligent as you and I. They just lived in a different time. I mean... If if somebody said to me, "Hey, Rob, you and Spider, go out. We need you guys to go to to, uh, um, you know, uh, Brazil. We need you guys to go to Peru. We need you guys to make this gigantic monkey in the sand for people to see in space." I would have a hard time doing that. I'm not I'm not well versed <laughs> in drawing anything. I I'm I still not... have trouble coloring inside the lines. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not uh, an, an artist in that sense. I, I just I, it's just not uh, it's not a gift that I have. So for for people back then to actually do that, and then you know do it for their gods, but who's to say their gods weren't these these uh, aliens that mm-hmm. came and 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 did all this? And maybe maybe they did kind of help us along and push us along. I don't know. I didn't live back then, but uh, you know, Spider, that is my. Um, in my mind, the the big thing that stands out for UFOs and, and alien in and, and alien contact, Nazca lines all day for me, all day, no debate. There you go, Nazca lines and the uh, the platform of Jerusalem, interesting stuff. Um, so uh, so yeah, I guess it's uh, it's getting to be almost eleven thirty p.m. Eastern time yes. here in Ohio where we are located. And um, we're going to get into, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about UFOs and uh, and alien stuff in pop culture, which we've co- covered a little bit, I think, talking about the Age and Aliens show and everything. But yep. it's because there's just so much of it. We could probably so spend the entire show just talking about alien movies that we've seen. Uh, I mean, there's a, a series that's called Alien and variations of the name. So yes. um, you can't get any simpler. Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah. So let's um let's get into that. Um, I'm gonna let Rob start that off and uh, and tell us one one of his recommendations for uh, for pop culture alien UFO stuff. Should we go? Where should we start? Should we start movies or should we start video games? If you start with games, I know exactly where you're gonna start with. <clears throat> ah, well, you know what. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. First of all, I was gonna do War of the Worlds, but we kind of already touched on that and talked about it, so I'm just gonna rule that out. And then, as a quick, uh, a, a quick book note, because there's so many. I mean, we can <laughs> still make a brief talk about that book because the 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 book 
is different than what the radio broadcast was. Like how the aliens true, are defeated. True. We don't even defeat the aliens. They just, it, no. you know, we don't they win. Get a There's cold. no winning. They get a cold. More right. or less, they get a cold. They get Earth sick. bacteria takes out the aliens, folks. Yep. They came here to conquer. They were beating the crap out of us. And slowly they start failing yes. and dying off because yes. they weren't prepared for our microbes and our bacterias. So, interesting concept. If we are invaded by an alien species, who's to say that they're not, that they're even going to be able to survive? Cough on them. Cough on them. (laughs) If he's like, gotcha. So, yeah, so there's Uh, that. Another fantastic book, and I'm sure a, uh, I'm sure Mr. Goodvine in our comment section here would love, has read this. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Solid. Solid. Fantastic book. Fantastic book. The first one. The rest uh, of them got really weird and kind of just like uh, kind of yeah. hard to follow. But that first one was great. Kind of like Ender's Game. That whole series got a little weird and, and odd after the first one too. Yeah. Too bad though. Um, but this is the 1979 book about the adventures of Mr. Arthur Dent after Earth is destroyed by the Vogons. Fantastic movie too. I know a lot of times people say the book yeah, is a lot better than the movie, but I liked them both. You the know, movie was I, good. Had, it did uh, what it could do to kind of compress everything into yeah. the lot. Of yeah, because there's a lot. Don't, don't forget your towels, though. That's right. Not forget your towels. Very important. <laughs> so that the, those two, I just kind of wanted to touch on because books. I could I, we could make a whole show just about books. Because mm. I could have went into Ray Bradbury, I could have went into Isaac Asimov, but uh, you know that's for another time. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and start with a movie. I'm going to do one movie because the video game part of this is going to... We're going to be talking about it for a bit. Uh, so the movie I recommend is, of course, it, it's it's one of the... One, a great blockbuster. It had a great sequel, in my opinion. Independence Day. And Independence Day Resurgence. Fantastic movie. I saw this movie. No, no kidding. I saw it on July 3rd, the year it came out. The very first one. In the theater. I was sitting in the theater just like, oh, this is the best movie I've ever seen. It was so cool because at the beginning when the people are on the roof and they're celebrating, you know, it, it, the movie's about an alien invasion. That's the, that's the, that's the, the, the short plot. But um, so these people are sitting on the rooftop and they're like, yeah, uh, uh, take us home and, and pick us up because they think the aliens are friendly, you know, because you're going to have that. And in, in a hostile alien invasion, you're going to people who think the aliens are here for good. And people are going to think the aliens are here for evil. I'm always going to be on the ladder because I've seen too many of these invasion movies. I know how this works. <laughs> so they're they're all standing on the roof, and all of a sudden the the, the bottom opens up, and this is a flying saucer. It's a, just a gigantic flying saucer, and the beam comes down, and they're like, "Ah, yeah, we're going to get taken up." Nah, you're getting taken down, and it blasts through, and then it just erupts and blows up the whole city. It blows up the White House. Um, it blows up multiple cities across the globe, you know, in, in this invasion. And it has Will Smith, everybody's favorite man in black. Um, he doesn't shine at the light in anybody's face, though, the flash thing. He doesn't do that. Tom Lee Jones isn't in it either. Bill Paxton's in it. Right? Bill Paxton in this movie? I'm probably, I'm probably one of them. In Independence Day? Who's the, what's the, what's the president's name? Oh, no, that's Bill Pullman. Thank you. I got Bill the Bill Paxton confused. is from, uh, from Aliens. Aliens. And yes. Predator Sorry. 2. And uh, yes. multiple other great, excellent movies. And Trespass. Game over, man. Game over. That's Bill Pat. <laughs> um, yeah, I got him confused. Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Um, so, yeah, great movie. Um, it's got Jeff Goldblum in it. And his dad. His dad's 
hilarious in that movie. One of my favorite characters in that movie. And then, you know, they defeat the aliens, as everybody knows. Vivica Fox is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the, the, the cringy kind of dog jumping scene where he jumps in the sewer after the big explosion. Uh, man, good movie. I saw it twice the, the year it came out. I saw it uh, the, the couple of days after it released. I believe it released on the second, the same day that the movie splits, the, the story of the movie takes place. And then I saw it about a week or two later because I really liked it. You know, I still have a magnet from the movie. Um, I have the poster. I have the movie itself. And then when Resurgence came out, I was so happy. And a lot of people were like, ah, the sequel took 30 years to come out. Well, not 30 years, but you get the point. It took forever to come out. It's not going to be that good. And I personally liked it. I saw it. Once again, I saw it in the theater. I had to see it in the theater. And it was fantastic. It was, it was an epic science fiction movie cool space battles the ships were even bigger this time and that was the the so my favorite part in the in the resurgence film when the ship is over the ocean this it's 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 huge it's the mothership it is the ship to end all ships this is the ship that sends out the smaller ships and by smaller i mean miles in in, in diameter and it blasted it, it, it just it just the beam is huge. It blasts, and then it just... I sound like a child, like, describing this, because it's its that, like, awesome to me. You know, it just reminds me of being a kid again, of watching the first one. And just the sheer level of destruction in this movie. Ah. Oh, mm, ah. It's, it's, it's great. And the queen battle at the end. Ah. Oh, ah. Oh, ah. Oh. You know what? I can't say enough good things about both of these movies. Go see Independence Day. Most of you've already seen it, but uh, Resurgence. Go watch that too. Don't don't get dismayed by the by the uh, by the by the reviews or by what other people say. Go see it for yourself. And supposedly there's going to be a third movie come out where they actually go to the aliens' home planet. So super excited for that one. Hopefully it comes out. I, I don't want to wait another twenty years for this one to come out. So please come out before that please come out within like the next five that'd be fantastic hmm. so independence day and resurgence movies pop culture ufos there we go um i'm gonna hit you guys with a twofer uh mostly because i remember something that i mentioned several episodes back and i have to mention again because of its ridiculousness and because it matches the topic um if you guys remember a book i mentioned a few episodes back about an alien invasion right and uh the book ends with uh with Dracula defeating the aliens. It's a real book. I found out the title, okay, and the author. So if anybody wants to go out there and verify that this book is real, by all means. Um, it's called Out of the Dark by David Weber, and it was released in 2010. I'm going to give you a short synopsis. Um, an alien species that's super, super peaceful, they come and they find Earth, and they observe Earth during a period of time uh, during the Hundred Years' War, okay? In um, over in England and stuff, and uh, they're they're really upset by how ferocious and how barbaric the humans are, and they're kind of frightened about it. So they go back to their own people and they say, "Hey, we got to do something about this." So they send a different alien species that works for them, that's that's really kind of violent, really warlike, to come to the planet to conquer it and force us to be good to be part of the whole galactic neighborhood. Well, by the time they get back, it's six hundred years later. And we've advanced so far. We've got all the technology. And apparently humans, in the course of the book, 
the rate of advancement of technology is six times the galactic normal by having gone from swords and shields to nuclear weapons in 600 years. So the new aliens are like, oh, well, I guess we just have to wipe everything out. So they launch kinetic strikes and everything. Um, they take over most of the planet. Uh, you get small pockets of rebels and things that are fighting back. And I was really interested in the book at this point. I was like, oh, man, you got they've basically destroyed the planet almost, and they've run roughshod, and we're, we're doing these little strikes. It's, it's a survivor book, right? It's great. And then the last couple chapters, uh, it turns out that... Um, the Vlad the Impaler is still alive because he really is Dracula. <laughs> and um, and he noticed the aliens were destroying everything, so he has his own elite group of vampires that are fighting back, and they happen to destroy all of the alien forces, take over their ships, and fly them back to take over the aliens' home planet. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that's That's how the book goes. I'm not even kidding. I got to the last few chapters, and I was just like, You've got to be kidding me. I read this whole book just to get to the end here and find out that Dracula is... Dracula fights the aliens? He's coming tonight. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> else in the book referenced anything like that. There was no way to know that all Dracula is real and he's in here. It's just like all of a sudden you get to the last part and humanity is saved by, by Vlad the Impaler and his vampire army. <laughs> out of the Dark by David Weber... If you want something that's just going to completely like blow your mind, maybe not in a good way because I was just like, man, this book was so good until the last couple of chapters. <laughs> oh, man. It was like it turned into completely different. But um, go ahead and check it out if you're interested in a total mind bend. I'm going to uh, check this out because I am <laughs> – I, I got to figure out how Vlad the Impaler fights aliens. I like everything you said. Yeah, I, I, that's fantastic. But my brain's just trying to compute how that's physically possible. I mean, it, well, I they've got vampire abilities. They're super fast. They, they, you know, they've got all the supernatural vampire things, okay. and the aliens don't have okay, anything so, like that. So, so here's my here's my question now. So, what happens if 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 they bite the aliens? They become alien vampires. Didn't come into play. They never mentioned it. Ah. <laughs> The biggest question I have, and they can't even answer. The biggest question I have. At least I don't remember them doing that. I mean, you can check it. You can check it out. But um, I don't remember if they addressed it. I don't believe they did. I believe they just went on a killing rampage and uh, all that good stuff. But that's one part of my twofers there. Oh, well. Um, My second part is probably the the seminal, the the most highly recognizable, highly referenced, and like the – the cornerstone of aliens visiting Earth movies, without getting too ridiculous into like uh, like the alien actual movies and things like that, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Classic, <clears throat> classic. This released in 1977. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, written and directed. Um, it starred Richard Dreyfuss, Melinda D- Dillon, Terry Garr, Bob Balaban, Carrie Guffey, and Francois Truffaut. Man, that's too fun. I, I you didn't just ever named like the whole cast. I know. <laughs> um, and it it's it details just your average dude who comes into contact with uh with a UFO, and it relays a message to him, and he's trying to relay that message to the rest of the planet and all this other kind of stuff. Um, and they communicate through musical notes, all this other kind of stuff. Excellent film. It it really kind of like gets in your head about like it's a really psychological thing. It, it's it's 
not like a creeper movie it's not like a, a horror movie it's it's more like a what if this happened how would we react it gets you thinking um if anybody remembers and it's been parodied a few times in in other movies a scene where he's making a mountain like a literal mountain out of a, mm -hmm. a plate of mashed potatoes he keeps scooping and scooping and then carving this big like volcano looking plateau out of it and somebody like looks at him he's like this is important this means something that's from close encounters of the third kind mm -hmm. and it, um it's, it's a good movie i, I recommend it mm -hmm. too the library of congress uh selected it for preservation in the national film registry and they deemed it in 2007 that it was culturally historically or aesthetically significant um, mm -hmm. there was a special edition that they re-released in 1980, and then they made, like, a Blu-ray version that came out, um, in 1990, or no, a, a Laserdisc in VHS in 1998, and then a Blu-ray and remastered, um, in 4K last year, or two years ago in 2017, I'm still stuck in 2018 for some reason. But 2017, it was re-released in theaters for people to see in 4K and all that other good stuff. So um should be easy to find out there if you're interested. I could go on and on and on about the plot, but you really should just see it for yourself. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Excellent. And I'm also going to give give a, uh, a real quick recommendation for two movies. I know Spider's a big fan of this one. So am I, actually. It, it's... Probably one of my favorite horror movies, uh, and that's the fourth kind with uh, Mila Jovovich from the Resident Evil fame and the mm -hmm. Fifth Element fame. Good movie, creepy, scary, have you on the edge of your seat. And Arrival. Now Arrival was oh man, it, it was good. It was it was I I went into it not expecting too much. I was like okay, you know I've heard good things. Uh, I believe it was nominated for an Oscar that year. And it didn't win. It should have won. I think Moonlight beat it out. I don't know. I don't really watch the Oscars, so but I just I just remember that being nominated. I'm like they should they should pick that one because it's a good science fiction movie. So Arrival and The Fourth Kind. I'm not gonna tell you what those two are about. You should go watch them and find out. Uh, the Arrival's not as scary. It's just more like suspenseful, but it's good. It's good. Uh, so there's that. So now we're going to get into the video games portion of our of our show today. And this is my favorite. This is my favorite pop culture probably that we have done to date. Because there are so many games mm -hmm. with so much aliens, so much UFOs. It's just, we can make a whole show dedicated to just video games with aliens in it. Easily. Uh, the first one I'm going to do, because I think we should do two here. I'll do two, and then and then Spider can do two. Or I'll do one, Spider, you know, whatever. Mm. Mass Effect. My Solid. favorite, my favorite, 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 favorite science fiction game of all time. The very first one. I like the other two, and we don't talk about Andromeda. We don't talk about that <laughs> one. But the, the first one, by far, and basically it stars Commander Shepard. Male or female, because you, you get to make your own character and you get to decide his his look or her look and uh, the dialogue options and all that. Basically, there's a threat that's coming from from deep space, and it's uh, it's heralded by the these uh, the uh, um, 
Oh, what do they call those? Are those the collectors? The collectors are in two. Right. The first, the first one, one, the Geth. The Geth, that's right. That's right. Thank you. Um, you're like, well, that's your favorite game. How do you not know? Don't worry about it. <laughs> but the Geth <laughs> Mind your business. Um, are, are, are basically taking people. They're, they're, they're stealing people in there, and they're taking them away. And there's a whole backstory behind that, and the Geth, and there's a whole story behind that. But they take these people away, and, and you're like, well, what is happening? What is happening? You start getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and then finally on a planet you bring up this uh, computer um, the, the, a video or, or like you, you start talking to whatever it is that has been collecting these people and it's called the Reapers and they're this deep space threat that comes out every so often to kind of restructure civilization they basically harvest people or harvest other aliens and they restructure the whole entire universe and 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 then it begins again and it's kind of a cycle and you fight these things over a course of three games but the first one because you don't know what these are it it, it, it it's really well 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 done i can't i can't speak highly enough of this game um but you don't get you don't really know what it is yet and then when you finally meet it, and the one you get, the one the one that you meet is named Sovereign, and it has some of the best dialogue. And that he says, you know, I am Sovereign. I am the vanguard of your destruction. I mean, I got goosebumps from that line. I was like, oh, this is this is this is the end all be all of awesomeness here. And you get to explore other planets, and you get to drive kind of like a Mars uh, uh, Land Rover style. You know, rest in peace. A Mars Land Rover style uh, vehicle over the terrain. You get to fight these giant Thresher Maul worm-like creatures, and man, so good. Easily, easily a ten out of ten for me of, of one of my probably my favorite game of the uh, of the Xbox 360 uh, generation. And it was also on PS3, but not until the trilogy. It was originally mm-hmm. just Xbox uh, 360 only, I believe, and possibly PC. But definitely check it out. Easily one of my favorite games of all time, the first one. The second one was good, too. Third had some issues. And like I said, we don't talk about Andromeda with that baby-faced uh, alien. He was a baby-faced <laughs> enemy. His face looks like a baby's. I'm not lying. You go check it out. But don't check it out. Or check it out. I don't care what you do. But Mass Effect 1, favorite game. Definitely favorite science fiction game of all time. Easily. Good deal. Um, you said you were going to talk about two games, didn't you? Well, yeah, but I was going to let you jump in because oh, it's right, already 11:47. Right. I don't want to be like, um, "Hey, I'm still talking." I do want to do a, a quick shout out out to uh, out to. Um, let me make sure I catch who said it down there. Uh, good old Jason Link um, talked about hey. uh, Bart versus the Space Mutants. Oh, hey. I had the game for uh, for Nintendo. I had the game. It was awesome. It was hard. They were all hard on Nintendo. Super but... hard. Super <laughs> hard. <laughs> I had that game. Um, but yeah, let's um, let's talk about other uh, UFO kind of games, movies, etc. Um, as far as movies go, um, there are a lot to choose from. A lot of different uh, a lot of different films that you can pick up on. Um, the Alien franchise is a big yes. one. But I'm going to talk more about since we're talking more about UFOs and aliens coming here to Earth. I'm going to talk about the Predator franchise. Nice. Which is connected to the Alien franchise. They're in the same universe. But um, the Predator is an intergalactic um, hunter. 
and uh, and he hunts big game. He hunts uh, big, powerful creatures and alien creatures from across the the galaxy. And um, he comes to Earth to hunt humanity, uh, to hunt humans for sport. Mm-hmm. And the first movie mm-hmm. is a classic. It's got uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, <laughs> uh, Jesse Ventura, um, yes. uh, Forrest Whitaker. Um, it's got a, a. I mean, it's great. It's a great are you, movie. Are you sure? Are you sure Forrest Whitaker's in is this? It Where's him? Forrest Whitaker? No, no, no. Never mind. I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking. I was thinking of. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking of his eye, thinking, but I, I, I forgot you, that Mac you, doesn't have the eye. Aren't you thinking of Predators, the one with Adrian Brody, where they go to that planet? But that's got... Um, that's got Forrest Lawrence Whitaker's Fishburne. in that. Oh, yeah, it's Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. So, Damn, it's Forrest Whitaker in any Predator movies? No, no, I'm thinking of someone else. Said. I, <laughs> I keep thinking like he had that, that lazy eye, and uh, but Mac You're didn't t- have lazy eye. I keep thinking he did, but, uh, but yeah, no, nah, because I was like, I don't remember Forrest Whitaker being that buff. No, 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 because all them dudes were were, were stacked. Right? No, nah, I don't. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker, we apologize. We thought you were in a Predators movie. You weren't. You should be. This is the perfect time to cast Forrest Whitaker in a. Predators yeah, there was movie. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers was in it, and but then the the guy who played Mac, I can't remember off the top. Of my That's head. the guy he 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 that stabbed that scorpion in his back. He's like, hey, you just gotta be right. careful. He was dry shaven, and he's That's right. Like, oh, there's a predator. <laughs> but uh, a, a solid film. The first one's great. It, it details the the predator coming down, and um, and he takes out an elite special forces team, and then he, uh, um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's team is there supposedly to to rescue a hostage. Bill Duke. Bill, Bill Duke. Duke. James, there you go. James Goodvine. Bill Duke. Good call on that. Sorry about that, Bill Duke. We don't mean any disrespect. Good call on Bill that. Bill Duke. Good call. Good call. Thank you. But um, Schwarzenegger's team is sent in supposedly to rescue somebody, but it's actually to find out what happened to the special team and to take out a uh, a group of, of inter- or a group of terrorists and things. Uh, they get ambushed by the predator. He loses almost his entire squad. He does lose his entire squad except for himself, and then he has to battle the predator one on one. I'm film. here. Kill me. Do it. I'm here. Do it now. Kill me. The second film I'll never has. Forget uh, that line. Has um, Danny Glover, Danny Glover, and he's a police Glover. officer in uh, in mm-hmm. Los Angeles, and uh, and the predator shows a different predator because the predator in the first mm-hmm. one, of course, I'm not going to tell you, but a different predator shows up in the second one, does battle with uh, and Gary Busey. Obviously, you're gonna it's going to be a fantastic movie, more like scary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the next ones after that were the Alien versus Predator films, which were you know iffy, depending. Um, they tie it more into the Alien franchise and everything like that. Yeah. Then uh, Predators with Adrian, Adrian Brody, Topher Grace. Which was awesome. Um, oh, dude, see, it was awesome until you said that other name. I'm not saying uh, he did good. I'm just saying he was in that movie. Um, I don't think he was quite a good fit for that role. No. I can see why they put him in there because he was unassuming and they figured nobody would figure it out. But it was kind of <laughs> obvious that he had to be some kind of creeper. Put that but, 70s um, guy in there. Nobody will figure this out. I promise. Yeah. But um, I liked that then, movie too. That movie got a lot of flack. Yeah, that um, was a good movie. There was a new one that just came out. It's called it's, uh, The Predator. It's trash. It That's is one hundred and fifty percent trash. The Predator's cool. He's like this eleven foot tall humanoid hybrid. He's awesome. Like that was he was cool. Like he, he they had the Predator fight because two Predators get into this fight. It was great. The acting was trash. And the whole thing is just one big F word. Like, 
you know, I, I'm an 80s sci-fi guy, so F-words are, are, are part and parcel to the whole 80s mm. science fiction, which is fine. I get it, but it wasn't every single, like, they, they were just putting this word in just to, like, fit it in. Like, how many times could we put the F-word in one scene? And <laughs> Guess what? It, this it movie's just, rated R, guys. Hey, guess what? It's rated R. Hey, guys, it's rated R. <laughs> right. And, and I was like, this, that's all they're doing. They're, and, and there wasn't enough Predator time. It was I just, haven't seen that one yet, so uh, I can't really say bad. it. I just know that it's new it's out. Um, the Predator the features in games, too. Uh, he's been oh. featuring in games for a while. There's old games from back in the old uh, Super Nintendo days, Alien vs. Predator. And uh, there was a game on the original Xbox uh, called Concrete Jungle, uh, which was, oh, man, it was so hard. Because uh, you, you're in a, a... Oh, yeah, a, that was hard. You're in a timeline where... As a predator, you were defeated in the past, but you 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 lived through your defeat, and your technology was recovered by humans, and they've adapted it. So now they can detect you when you run around. Oh man, it's just hard. You got to really be thinking. And I, I never beat it because it was hard. But um, another game from 360, Aliens versus Predator, the game where you got to play as a predator, a space marine, and an alien at different classic, points. classic. great, excellent game. Loved it. Classic. That's the best one of, right. of the of the Predator Alien franchise, in my opinion. It is. Uh, it definitely is. And um, there hasn't been another Predator game since then. There's been another Alien game since, but um, but since we're focusing more on, on Predator-type stuff. He's also been in comics. He's had a quite a run in the comics. There were uh, mm-hmm. Predator-specific comics, Alien vs. Predator comics, Alien vs. Predator vs. Terminator comics, Predator vs. Uh, Batman comics, Predator vs. Spawn comics. I mean, they've just, like faced off against everybody quick um, mention fight you get to actually fight the predator in ghost recon wildlands that's right. yep. and it is exactly like the predator arnold schwarzenegger movie fight oh it's good i'm not gonna ruin it for anybody it but, was pretty good i had a tough uh, time at first but once i figured it out i i even tried to go in there as a like flying a helicopter and just shoot him <laughs> and he shot me down and just totally rocked my world i mean he does way. the it does the voices. It plays the bongos. It does all of it. I literally was like, I, I can't believe it. I'm going to fight the Predator. Yeah, it was great. I recommend fighting that. That part was was is one of my favorite parts of that game was fighting him because it's just like you go, you see the bodies hanging. They get taken mm. up. The green blood laying around after you shoot him a couple times. Oh, sorry, Spider. I just oh yeah, it was it. pretty good though. I was gonna. I I remembered. Like I told myself to make sure I mentioned that because that's where I was gonna end with. But then I almost forgot. So you you picked it back up for me. Appreciate it. Um. But yeah, as far as uh, um, good, you know, muscle brown kind of like, oh, predator man, bro, predator kind of stuff <laughs> with the UFO phenomenon. I, I'll recommend it. I'll, I'll raise a, a glass of something that's not cheap lager. <laughs> um, I want to drop a quick honorable mention. Uh, Dark Void. Fantastic sleeper game for me. I didn't really play it until maybe like a year ago. Um, it's got the voice of Nathan Drake, Mr. Nolan North, uh, William Gray. He's teleported to another world while flying through the Bermuda Triangle. He meets the survivors and the watchers you get a jetpack you get to fly around you get to rip aliens out of ufos and then drive ufos you get to fight giant ships fantastic it was good a good real, really good sleeper game good stuff and that brings us to the last few minutes um 
so I know we covered probably most of this actually about midway through when I had my question about what do you think is the the mm-hmm. most likely UFO kind of thing. So just um, just a quick final Q and A. Um, UFOs. You think they're aliens or you think they're us? What's your final? What What is it? Both. I think the 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 UFOs are us. Maybe just us from a different planet. Um. And I also think that they're uh, they're they could be government engineered spacecraft. So I think it could be both. It could easily be both. Uh, do I believe in aliens and UFOs? One hundred percent, yes. I believe they're it's very real. Do I believe they're movie aliens? No. I believe that aliens are just us. They're just they're they're humanoids or they're humans from another planet, and we may or may not be descendants of them. That's where I, I'm I'm a little unsure, but yeah. Yeah, I definitely believe in aliens and UFOs. How about yourself? I'm a big believer in ancient astronauts. I'm a big believer that there is something out there. I I have never seen a UFO particularly or anything that I could say was an alien up close. But I'm pretty open-minded about that kind of thing. I, I, I really think that that they had something to do with our past on this planet, whether they're still around and visiting us for some reason or not. I, I don't know. can't say. But um, I, I am definitely open to the possibility. If they're going to show up sometime in the near future and do the whole tech material later and not, you know, get out of line, hey, I'd be happy to welcome you to Earth. By all means, come chill with us on this uncanny Earth. We'll, we'll drink some crown as long as your body physiology can take it. Um, but <laughs> uh, if you're here to, to, to steal my stuff and, and subjugate and all that other good stuff, well, then you better be prepared because I'm probably going to punch you in whatever your alien face is. And don't forget about uh, Duke Nukem. That's right. I will put on the sunglasses and I will become Duke. And I will just, you know, you're going to pay for busting up my ride. I want to give a quick thanks to James Goodvine and Jason Link for jumping in the chat room here and doing some chitty chats and having some fun and uh, keeping keeping the party going. Um course as always you folks can check out our previous episodes on uh, this uncanny earth you can check out uh the group this uncanny earth official on facebook i'm still working on the instagram so i'm gonna get that up as soon as i can and uh that's really all i have so for all you folks out there remember to stay uncanny uh and we'll see you here next week next week's topic i'm not gonna tell you yet i'm gonna put that in the group (laughs) i'm gonna start posting the topic in the group you guys can talk about it. Um, that's really all I have. So you folks have a good weekend. Stay safe out there and always stay uncanny. Peace. That's right. Next week. <laughs>